This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought and the more diversity of background of the people working at tech companies, the better. So you have the data scientists, many of them might come from a very technical background. And then you've got the business side, and these are two separate worlds, and they have a very difficult time communicating and understanding what their priorities are. The blockchain idea was around 91, so about the time that the Terminator 2 movie was coming out, the same idea of, in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Everything's downloaded, let's boot up the system. Welcome to MarketScale Software and Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath. Most of us are aware of the challenges that we face on a daily basis on trying to keep our smart devices connected to Wi-Fi. Are we too far from the router? Are we in too congested of a place? What is the speed going to be like? Well, take that concern and apply it to a drone. What if you couldn't communicate accurately and quickly and dependably with a drone? That seems like it'd be a bit of a problem. Today, I have an opportunity to talk to someone who's actually facing that problem and finding ways to solve it, Professor Joe Camp. He's a professor of electrical engineering at SMU's Lyle School of Engineering. Professor Camp, how are you today? Good. How are you, Sean? I'm doing very well. I have to say I'm very excited about this because until I found out I was going to get to talk to you today, I really didn't think about how you communicate with drones. It seems like it would be just a normal radio frequency connect to the drone and keep it within radio range like an old you know rc airplane it's not quite that simple is it no actually there's an innate assumption of 2d communication that we all kind of have um that i've you know i've been doing wireless research for a number of years now and i think the you know uh, only recently within the last two or three years have i come to realize that we've inherently made this two-dimensional assumption where everything is at the ground level and everything is flat. However, when you start dealing with drones, things start to become three-dimensional where you have to directly communicate below and above your, yourself from second to second. And so it, it really could be that your peer that you're trying to communicate could at one moment be below you and then things change over a split second and now that same uh, person or a different person or a different uh, drone is now above you and you have to switch to communicating above. And that just doesn't happen as severely at, with Wi-Fi and cellular connectivity. It happens more severely in three dimensions with drones. Okay, so I wanna make sure that I understand this. So I'm, I'm going to go extremely basic. Uh, let's say I'm in a, in a two-story house and my Wi-Fi router's downstairs. I go upstairs. I can still connect to the Wi-Fi. So I would just naturally assume that the signal, the, the radio signal from my Wi-Fi is coming out in a sphere, that it's going in all directions. But that's not the way radio communications work in between drones. So explain to me the, the concept of a plane versus 2D versus 3D. Help me understand that a little. Well, what is most likely happening in your house is that it is concentrating the energy uh, along the, the floor that it is um, deployed on. So in other words, the, where the router is installed, that is focusing the energy uh, horizontally from that point. 
However, what you're experiencing when you go upstairs, most likely, is that you are catching a non-ideal uh, antenna pattern from that from your router. So, in other words, if you can imagine a donut shape around your router in the horizontal direction, it's almost like the donut has a little imperfection that you're using in your second floor, where it, it it's not focusing the energy upward. But just imperfections in the antenna happen to allow you to connect to it. So what you'll notice is if you go up and over, a lot of times either you're, you're in a dead zone or uh, the, the distance is such that you're actually catching the main horizontal beam of your router. And, and now it's gotten to the point where uh, you now have something called beamforming where it can directionalize your uh, your transmission so that one donut pattern is is no longer the uh, the main focus of the antenna. It's actually being more dynamic than that and having different beams that it's dynamically steering to you. So if I lose connection to the internet on my laptop on the Wi-Fi, it's not really a great tragedy. However, when we're talking about uh, drone, for example, in in the construction industry or in some other academic application, if you lose connection to one of those expensive pieces of machinery, that's a major problem. So you're working on something that is called the multi-dimensional drone communication interface. I'm assuming that you call it MUDDY. Yes, multi-dimensional uh, drone communication infrastructure. Tell me how you're approaching this problem of planar or linear communication between drones? Well, the research really started in a campus we have in Taos, New Mexico. So SMU has a campus where students can go during the summer and during the winter breaks for classes. There aren't students year-round on that campus, but students will go to that campus and study on that campus. And so for the past three summers, I've been offering courses uh, one uh, one summer month. Uh, so in June of uh, 2016, uh, that I started to go out to Taos and offer a, a, a month-long course. And so we, we were studying wireless. And so we were kind of just studying wireless in the field and looking at uh, forests and um, kind of different environments. And one of my students brought a drone. And so that student... Uh, is now part of our research team. And I started to think at that moment in time, wow, we could do so much more with a drone to get visuals and to understand how many trees are in this environment and what are the densities and we can look and see what's happening. So the subsequent summers, we started to build, instead of just using mobile phones or using uh, some type of programmable wireless hardware, we started to put that programmable wireless hardware on a drone and study the propagation effects that you have when you put antennas on drones. And what we found was that unlike the two-dimensional communication that we're used to, uh, we, we noticed that when we took the drone up to a certain height, that directly below the drone, we were having uh, no connectivity to that ground. And this happened only about 60 feet in the air that we started to experience this this effect and so it started to begin to allow us to see that 
achieving through true three-dimensional communication is actually challenging and on a drone and so we we started to kind of think through what would it take to completely solve this three-dimensional problem and that's one of the first research objectives with this muddy infrastructure is to have a warehouse that we outfit with an array of antennas so that we can capture uh, from all dimensions this antenna pattern that's coming out of the drone and it's not just one antenna but it's the pattern that is resulting from a number of antennas that are mounted on the drone in different directions so you might have one antenna that's uh, vertically mounted on the drone and one antenna that's horizontally mounted on the drone and the combination of those two antennas is one of the research issues is how do those antennas play with each other and work together to provide connectivity in a three-dimensional space. You're doing an awful lot of work with existing protocols. Is this a situation where you just might have to put a little thought into developing a different protocol to help solve the challenge? Yes, there will be certainly elements of Wi-Fi and elements of cellular in our platform, and we kind of take those for granted and run with those. However, there will certainly be developments. For example, if you have, uh, so we're making an assumption with this, uh, with this research that radios themselves are expensive, but the antennas are fairly cheap because they're, they're passive antennas and they don't have electrical um, components that they're being powered. So, and they're relatively light in weight. So our assumption is that if you use a limited number of radios because they have bulk and they have energy that are re they're required to use, then uh, and you can kind of plaster a number of different antennas on the drone, well, then you're going to have to take one or a few number of radios and connect them to many different antennas at different points in time. So, for example, one of the protocols and algorithms that we need to develop is understanding the current situation, and that can happen with different sensors on the drone. For example, the sensor could be a GPS or it could be, uh, it could be LiDAR, for example. Um, so some type of kind of light detection uh, between the drones, or it could be radar. Um, and all of those things will give you a feel for where you are and where your neighbor is and how you should use the different antenna arrays and how do you switch between the antennas and make those decisions on a dynamic basis and those kind of things we have to build uh, from from the ground up because that's that's something new and unique from ground or 2d communication such as is in Wi-Fi or cellular well as you develop this protocol I think if you don't call it FlyFi you're going to be missing a, a huge opportunity. <laughs> so is this the same basic concept as as a mesh network? That is a very good point, and there are elements of this that manifest in mesh networks. So what a mesh network is, is you have a limited number of wired connectivity points or entry points into your network, and a mesh network will share those entry points by multi-hopping connectivity. So for example, if you can imagine a, um, a, a grid, a physical grid or a physical mesh, much like you would um, you know, graph paper, 
and every intersection of the graph paper is a, an access point. Well, if um, only some of those intersections actually have connections to the internet, uh, the other access points are going to have to use uh, multi-hopping to get back to the internet connection points. And that's where you have the definition of a mesh network. Now, there is a longstanding um, area called ad hoc networking that has this similar concept. However, the assumption is that in an ad hoc network, you kind of all have this same peer level. So in other words, it's just a team of peers that are trying to multi-hop to each other and use each other kind of like a game of telephone. In a mesh network, you have this distinction from ad hoc networks in that some of these um, access points are special and they call those gateway nodes. And the gateways have egress to the internet. And so um, in, in a, a drone network is somewhat, it will either be an ad hoc network where you just are trying to connect to each other and team up together, or you could have some feedback to your ground station or even the, you know, Google Loon is a project that they have internet balloons. So you might be getting internet connectivity from overhead of the drone swarm. And so in those types of situations, one of the drones might be your gateway node and it forms a truly a mesh network where one is kind of controlling the network or getting internet for the network and sharing that over the other nodes. But ad hoc and mesh are very similar. The only distinction is that one or a few number of nodes in a multi-hop topology are feeding internet to and from that uh, multi-hop uh, infrastructure. As you just described that to me, it seems as if this would have a really useful application during natural disasters as a way to deploy um, Wi-Fi or FlyFi to uh, hard-hit, possibly underserved neighborhoods as a way to uh, improve ground response and communication. It seems like this is a really big idea. Yes. So, uh, in fact, I, I at one point I had the number, I think it's over half of the cellular towers in the New Orleans flood uh, went down and with her, Hurricane Katrina. And so you can imagine that people are scrambling to connect to others, but yet over half of them, the cellular tower they were talking to is now down. And for the others, if even if your tower is working, it is being overwhelmed and to the point that maybe you can't use that tower even though it's functioning. And so in a situation like that, you could dynamically deploy drones where the drones are sent out to create this dynamic mesh. And so that's actually a project uh, by Facebook. They are doing um, uh, Project Aquila is a project by Facebook by which you have this, this huge drone. It's, it's the size of a 737, but it is powered by very little. It, it's solar powered and so that it can be in operation for 90 days. And that 90 days is because it has an array of solar panels on the body of what essentially becomes a 737, but it's very light. And the power it uses to fly is something like five hair dryers. And so you can imagine that in that scenario, 
what what's happening is a very narrow beam is going to that that drone and then from there there's a blanket that's coming down from the drone that's trying to blanket a large area so it's it's kind of a little bit different from our project we do have some uh, air to ground connectivity issues that we're definitely studying in this project however there one of the focuses is more along the lines of um, node to node connectivity and three-dimensional communication where the drones are kind of moving in different ways and kind of getting a lot of different relative angles where in that situation, that particular situation, you have more of a, a fixed um, antenna pattern that you're trying to um, raise and lower the drone to, it's almost like a, a floodlight. You know, if you have a floodlight very low, it'll cover less area, but then if you have the floodlight higher, it's going to cover more of an area but be more dispersed. And so that's, that's kind of the problem that you would deal with from that situation that can be studied in this project. And there are other situations where, okay, how do you connect the, that, uh, that big drone um, dynamically from the ground and kind of dynamically hit that drone uh, with a directional connection so it can be very fast. Well, Professor Camp, it's really interesting and very exciting to get to talk to you. Um, for anyone who would like to learn this firsthand, you can join Professor Camp June at SMU's campus in Taos, New Mexico. The class is called Introduction to Drone Communications. I'm going to recommend that you have a subheading in that title description and it be alternatives to snowboarding. I'm just saying you could just throw that in there. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you get a you know, maybe you get a couple more eyeballs and a couple more seats. In June it's more like sand dunes uh, that you have to go up north and do the sand dunes, but uh, definitely in January you could have that subtitle in the class if we ever offer that in the winter term. <laughs> well, today it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Professor Joe Camp, an Associate Professor of Electrical Engineering and Computer Science and Engineering in SMU's Lyle School of Engineering. Professor Camp, thanks so much for taking the time today. This was really interesting. Thank you, Sean, for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. 